So guys, we began last week to kind of look at this fact that like God himself was saying, hey, these are the, these are the 10 biggies. These are the 10 things that I want to say to you, right? That's not what he said, really. He just said, the Lord God spoke these words saying, that's what it says, literally. So, but remember, you guys, here he was, and he was giving them the law that would guide them right after, in chapter 19, verse 5 and 6, he had just made a covenant with them saying what? Hey, man, if you follow and keep my, follow my voice, keep my covenant, you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. They were supposed to be the ones that told everybody about this God, about Yahweh, the only God, Right? These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. And he told Moses to go do that. And what did they say? Yeah, man, we're in. We got this. <laughs> oh. You guys, what's the point of the law? Flip over with me to Galatians chapter 3. Paul tells us what the point of the law was from the very beginning and what we see all throughout the Old Testament and what we see in our own lives. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 24 and 25, it says this, you guys. It says, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. What's he saying? Paul's getting at this idea that like, man, Jesus is the new covenant. He's the final covenant that God made. He's like, hey, all of this stuff, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, all these things that I've done throughout the time, right? Throughout different dispensations of time are all pointing here to Jesus. And under Jesus, we are accepting his work, his perfect living out of the law, his like life here as God in flesh going perfectly to the cross on his own to pay for our sins. And so these 10 commandments, you guys, I need you to hear this. We're not under them in the same sense that the, is, that the Israelites were under them. However, we are under them. Why? Because remember what Jesus said? You want to sum up all 10 commandments? He said, you can sum up all of the law in two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's the first four commandments of the 10. And love your neighbor as yourself, which is the last six. And so tonight we're going to be finishing up the first of the two. So when I, I need you guys to hear me, I'm not saying they're not applicable. I'm not saying that we don't need to follow them. Yes, we still need to not murder you guys. <laughs> That's still off the books. We're not allowed to do that. <laughs> That's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is, you guys, is that we are not under the law in the same sense. We are not stuck saying, oh my gosh, I need to get a lamb really quick because I just screwed up again. These poor lambs, dude, I've got like a whole herd, thank God, because I keep having to slaughter them. That's not where we're at anymore, right? The, the lamb, the perfect spotless lamb was slaughtered for us, and we have faith in that. And so that's where we find our salvation. That's where we, our grace, the grace is poured out upon us, right? But man, let's not also eliminate the, the looking here and saying, man, Lord, what, how do you want to make my life look closer to the way you wanted it to be? Because remember, Jesus lived this law perfectly. And what are we supposed to look like, Christian? Jesus. We're supposed to be coming, to be becoming through the walk of sanctification in our lives. We're supposed to be, through the power of the Holy Spirit, becoming a closer and cleaner image of Christ. And that is a work we're going to be walking through 
until the day we die. And God, by the way, it's not a work that you're ever going to just muscle through and figure out on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to do it through you. But man, we looked at these first two commandments last week. God said, hey, I'm first. Nobody and nothing comes before me. I'm first. You shall have no other little g gods before me. What's he saying? There's nothing else that is God. I am God. I am that I am, right? But whatever you want to make into your little tiny God, don't put it there. It doesn't go there. Nothing and nobody sits before him. And then he kind of follows that up with the next one, the second one, which is no carved image or anything that we would ever bow down to. And I need you to hear this because today we're like, man, this one's easy. Idolatry doesn't exist today. How many people here have an idol sitting in their room that they bow down to every night? You guys? Yeah? No? Yeah? No? I think you maybe do. Some of you. TV set, it's called. Oh, no, I'm kidding, right? But sort of. (laughs) But we do have idols in our lives today. Sometimes, dude, it's your phone, right? It can be any number of things. It can be your children. It can be your job. It can be any sort of things. You guys get the point. Anything that you're saying, look, this thing is worth my time, my money, my energy, and it is worth so much more of all that than God is worth in my life. You guys, it's an idol. And I don't know about you, but I'll just speak for me. There are certain things in my life, and and as pastors, do you know what one thing that can actually become an idol to a pastor a lot of times? Ministry. Ministry can become an idol. My worth ends up being wrapped up in this thing that God never intended it to be. What am I? A chief servant. That's what a pastor is. I'm supposed to be serving my face off and loving you guys well, and that's my job. And guess what? When I get to heaven, God's not going to be like, hey, hey, there's a special room for you. No, I'm going to be hanging out with y'all. A lowly servant like everybody else. So I can't let, I'm just speaking personally. What, what is your idol things? What are the things that maybe get in the way for you guys? Some people, man, video games can become that, right? Come on. Right? Those things that get in the way of what God wants to do, what God, the energy that we're supposed to be spending on God, all of those things, you guys, can become idols. And tonight, we're going to look at the third and fourth commandment, and then we're going to finish out this first section of the Ten Commandments. And you guys, these are all about, these first four are all about honoring God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. So let's dig in. Verse 7 says this, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the the Lord, the Lord, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I think I was getting a little Massachusetts there. The Lord, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What does it mean to take God's name in vain, you guys? I think we all got the the simple one, right? We know that we don't use his name to profane anyone or anything, right? That's taking his name in vain. And you hear that a lot, don't you? You hear the J-H-C? You guys ever hear that one? That was a favorite in my family. The G-D, just the, the blatant swearing that you're like, No, God's not damning anything. What the heck are you talking about, dude? Calm yourself, right? Those words, that's taking God's name in vain, right? That's inviting things that really, to be honest, if you thought about what you're saying, you shouldn't be inviting upon anyone because if anybody deserves to be damned, we're all sitting here, right? It's only by the blood of Christ that we're not. And so how dare we ever say anything like that? But the reality is, man, a lot of people do it. A lot of people do it. What other ways, though, do we allow his name to be spoken of in vain? 
Warren Wearsby made this comment about this section that I really liked. He said, your name stands for your character and reputation, what you are and what you do. When you say that someone has a bad name, you're not criticizing what's written on his birth certificate. You're warning me that the man can't be trusted. If God is the greatest being in the universe, then his name is the greatest name and must be honored. The reason I put that up there, you guys, is because I never really, I never really thought about it that way. So what does it look like to take God's name in vain? Not giving him the honor he's due. Making or, or speaking of him in a way that defames his character, that takes away from who he is. And you guys, can I just say this? Who he is and what he does is something that we as Christians know more than anyone else in the world. And so who has a responsibility to speak correctly about God? People that know him, yeah. right? We see through all throughout scripture some major things, right? God, he's good. God's faithful. He's faithful even when we're faithless, right? God pours out infinite grace, right? I have a sticker on the back of my car that I really love, and it says this to the person behind me. It's tinier than I want it to be. I really need it to be huge, but it says to the person behind me, you can't out the grace that God has for you. That's true. That's the rain, y'all. That's God's grace. <laughs> you guys, God pours out grace upon all of us, and he desires that we would receive it through the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus. But I need you to think about this, you guys. Christians here tonight, listen. I think we too often think of God in terms that detract from who he is. We present to the world around us sometimes a God that is less than all that he is through the way we think, through the way we speak sometimes. Have you guys ever heard the phrase of like, man, all we got left is prayer. All we got is prayer. I've been guilty of saying that. You know how ridiculous that is? Now listen, I'm not trying to get too down in the weeds and make this into some weird legalistic thing of like, oh my gosh, I'm constantly taking your name in vain, Lord. It's not where I'm going with this. God's grace is sufficient for our lives, but I'm asking us to think more deeply about what we say and how we speak about God because I know for me, I've said, man, like all we can do is pray. When the real truth of it is, is man, the first thing we should do is pray because we're praying to our big God and God will answer our prayer and that answer will be whatever his will is to answer it in. But I can trust our big, big God that he has got an answer and that he's powerful enough to answer, right? Do you hear the difference in that? Again, I'm not trying to be too legalistic. I'm trying to encourage us as Christians to think differently about something as simple as, man, how, Lord, are we giving your name less than it's due? We can thank God for his word because through it, you guys, we gain as much as we can a clear understanding of who he is. And if you guys, I want to encourage you, listen, his word points out a lot of things. If you want like a crash course and who God is. I've got books back there that if you don't have it, I would gladly give you one. I keep them on hand. Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer opened my mind, blew my mind on getting a better understanding of who God is and understanding his sovereignty and his, his omniscience and his omnipotence and just all the stuff that you're like, whoa. I mean, dude, you can't read that book without having your mind blown. This, and it's not scripture, but what Tozer does a great job of doing is pointing out scripture 
and pulling it in in such a way that it makes it more simple. So I would encourage you guys, if you don't have that book, I'll gladly give one to you. Why? Because you want to not take his name in vain, understand more about him. How do you do that? Dig in. Dig in. Right? As our understanding grows, you guys, our thoughts and our speech, they begin to line up more with who God really is in our lives, don't they? The Bible talks about tithing, and I didn't even bring it up. It just popped into my head, but it's one of the few places in all of Scripture that he's like, try me on this. Watch me work. Just try me on this. And for anyone that's lived that life, man, I had a part in whenever I lived in Philadelphia where I was making $300 every other week, two weeks, $300. That was my food. That was everything. And I was playing in a band, which was making nothing. Man, it was horrific. But I heard that verse and I tried God on it. And the coolest part is, is from that point on in my life, I'm like, God is faithful. I know that he's faithful. I guarantee he's faithful. Before that, you guys, I never necessarily took his name in vain, but I didn't give him all that he was due in that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so my 30 bucks every two weeks was like, okay, God, I could, that, that is literally some ramen noodles, yo. <laughs> so I need you to hook me up <laughs> or it's going to be a lean couple weeks, you know, but God is faithful. God is faithful, you guys. And that's just one example. But it's, it's just awesome how we get to grow and see God growing. And, and we begin to speak that out into the world around us that doesn't know God as well as we do. And is probably taking God's name in vain in the easy ways that we know, like swearing and saying things that we shouldn't say. But you know, another way that we hear even amongst church members often, sadly, is this, is that we frivolously use his name. Too often, you guys, I've heard OMG rocked out from people's voices. And I'll be the first one to admit, sometimes I'm like, oh, gosh, I can't believe that. Is that taking the Lord's name in vain? Well, that's between you and the Lord. You've got to figure that one out. It's not taking, I'm not saying God, that's not even in my brain. It's just a word, right? I should just say, oh, Jehoshaphat. <laughs> I don't know. But you know another thing that you hear a lot from Christians, and this is only a thing that you hear from Christians is, the Lord told me, the Lord told me I should do A, B, and C. The Lord, the Lord says that I need to fill in the blank. God wants me to, now, I need you to hear this. I'm not minimizing or discrediting the fact that the voice of God does speak into our lives and God does really direct each one of us. So hear me on that. I'm not minimizing that. Listen, we would not be here in New Hampshire. I liked my house and my hot tub and my deck and my acre of ground in Idaho. I was quite content there. <laughs> So yes, God speaks. That's why we're here. I'm not acting like he can't speak to every one of us. That's not the case. We know that's not true. What I'm getting at, though, is this, you guys, and I think you'll understand what I'm getting at. Too often, and I've heard this done, where people just flippantly use this sentence of God told me as a way to do something without any discussion from anybody else, right? Like, what can anybody say if God told you? Nothing. And yet, sometimes, often, we see this said or hear this said, you guys, when people do it, and there's been times that people have been like, well, God told me to live with my boyfriend. And you're like, no, he didn't. That, nope, no, he did not. He did not say that. I promise you he did not. As a matter of fact, I can show you where he said the polar opposite of what you just said <laughs> throughout Scripture, right? Like, that's not true. Do you get what I'm saying? So we know that we've heard those things, I'm sure, or at least, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. As your pastor, sometimes you hear things, you're like, no, that's not right. But 
There's also those times, you guys, when people change like the wind. And every time it changes, it's because God told them to. Can I just encourage you guys? And this is something that Tozer talks a lot about too. God is immutable. Do you know what that means? He doesn't change. Now, it doesn't mean God doesn't direct differently. That's not what I'm getting at either. So I need you guys to hear this. But what I'm saying is this. He isn't indecisive. God's not an indecisive God. God knows what he has for you, right? Typically, God is not one to just modify his direction at the drop of a hat. Typically. I'm also not trying to put God in a box, right? Because what did he say to Philip? You guys remember in Acts? Hey, go talk to this guy, Ethiopian guy. Okay, and then he goes and he's like, boop, he disappears and shows back up somewhere. God can do a lot of crazy stuff. I'm not trying to put God in a box. I'm just saying typically God is not one to be like, you know, I'm gonna, I had a situation sort of recently where someone's like, I feel like God's telling me to start a ministry. And within a week, that person's like, I feel like God's telling me to leave this church. He didn't tell you both. Like he just didn't. He didn't tell you to start a ministry here at this church and then leave the church the next week. One of those was you and one of those may be God. I have no idea. Or maybe they're both you. I have no clue what that was. But I had to challenge him on it and be like, man, our God is not flippant. He's not one to just modify his thoughts in every five seconds. You guys, when we see people that have these drastically different words from the Lord, days after hearing something different, can I just encourage you guys? Do you know how most of the time, all throughout scripture, and at least it's been true in my life, I figured out what God had for me? Prayer and fasting. Yeah. Prayer and fasting. Seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, what, what do you got? And, 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 and again, I'm not putting how it works for me on anybody else. But what I am getting at is, is that there is kind of a precedent for the fact that God isn't one to just be like, like that. You pray, you fast, you seek God. You say, Lord, what do you got here? Right? And you listen. And then you do your best to follow. Right? And so a lot of times when you see these people, it's like, dude, you've had a day and a half. How, how have you not eaten yet? Or like, how did that work? Like, where, how, where'd you get there? How did you get from he, point A to point B that are in complete opposite directions from the Lord in a day and a half? Like that doesn't make sense. And it really doesn't line up to me with scripture. And this is what I'm talking about. I think that in a way is taking the Lord's name in vain because you are putting weight to something that really God's like, I didn't tell you that. Or if he did, that's great. But he also maybe didn't tell you the other three things. Do you know what I'm saying? We need to be careful of that. I do my very best whenever I'm speaking to people, you guys, because it's a habit, isn't it? As a Christian, the longer we go, it's like, well, I think the Lord's saying, and I've gotten to the place where I'm like, yeah, I don't really know. And I think we see that from Paul, right? Paul's like, the Lord said this. But there's plenty of other times in scripture where he's like, look, this isn't the Lord. This is just a thought in my head. Here it is. Take it for what it's worth, right? We read stuff like that too. And I think we need to not be afraid to be like, man, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like this. This is something that I just don't see as a viable thing in my life. And so I think I'm going to try to go this way. And will you pray with me about that? Because I don't know if it's of the Lord, but I want to, that's a different story. That people can get behind. That people can speak into and pray with you on. Do you get the difference? And I want you to notice this. Let's keep reading. Verse 8 says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within the gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. You guys, here we are given this fourth commandment, and he's saying, man, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Keep it set apart, right? You guys know what Sabbath actually means? Literally, it means this, desist from exertion. That's a really fancy way of saying, chill out, rest, desist from exertion. We are called by God to have a time set apart to rest from the toil of the world, from the toil of everything that's happening in your life, from the work that you're doing to gain money, to make food, to eat your ramen noodles and enjoy it, right? Oh, Can I just say this, you guys? And I want you to think about this. You know how foreign this probably was to the Jews? Think about it. They just left slavery in Egypt. Do you think the Egyptians are like, you know what, guys? Take a break. Just take a day. I mean, you know, you don't have to make the bricks today. They'll wait till tomorrow. Those pyramids will build themselves later. No, man. They were working their behinds off constantly, nonstop, for years and years and years and years. And here's God, a good, good God, saying, you know what I want you to do? I want you to be intentional, and I want you to take a break. But not just take a break. Take a break and focus on me. Spend time with me. Be intentional about seeking me on that day. You guys notice, I want you to notice this too. Notice that God doesn't just say this about the men. He doesn't just tell the guys, like, hey man, get away and get some sacred rest. I mean, your wives, they'll keep cooking. Don't worry about it. They'll get everything done. Men, take a break. That was the culture of the day, right? No. God, and I need you guys to hear this because there's a lot of times that people will say, oh, the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New. That's not true at all. We don't see that anywhere. But also because the same God, Jesus is, is the clearest reflect, reflection of God. But the other thing that we see all throughout scripture, you guys, is that there's a lot of accusations about the Christian God, that he's a sexist and that he's this and he's that and he's this. Listen, he's the polar opposite of that. Everything in culture for the day, he blew up. The New Testament, same thing. Everything that was happening there, he exploded. And so I just want to point it out. Like, not that I need to defend God. Trust me, I don't. I know I don't, but I'm just saying, man, we serve a good, good God that like even here is saying, man, everybody, everybody, slave, it doesn't matter who you are, chill out, take a break and focus on me. He tells them, man, even the people in your gates, in your house or your city, take time aside to rest. Man, even even thinks of the cattle. He's like, cows, take a chill. (laughs) The one cow that's going to the, (laughs) sorry, I just thought of this. The one cow that's going to the temple, he's like, wow, this is an honor. Oh, what happened? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Poor cow. (laughs) Ah, my brain. All right, what does this look like for us, you guys? 
This might challenge you a little bit. I need you guys to hear me on this. And, and I really prayed a lot about this because I thought it was very interesting. And I did find this in a few other commentaries. So this is not some wacky thought that I just made up. But remember that we're not under the old covenant of Israel. And so I need you to hear this. We're under the new covenant of Christ. And so whenever we read stuff in the Old Testament, we've got to balance everything with the entirety of Scripture. And so I'm going to take us to two. There's about five or six different verses that we could look at, but flip over with me to Hebrews 4, chapter 8. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8. Remember I told you guys that the, the Hebrew word here, it literally means rest. It's desist from you know, activity, desist from exertion. So it means rest. And in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, Paul, <coughs> uh, <laughs> in my humble opinion, he said this in verse eight of chapter four, he said, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So what's he getting at you guys? The author of Hebrews is saying, man, like the old idea of Sabbath is found in Christ. There's a difference here. We find our rest in Christ. There's something kind of more fleshed out here in the new covenant that wasn't as clear in the old covenant. Flip over with me now to Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two, verse 16. You guys might be familiar with this scripture. And like I said, there's uh, about three or four others that I know of for sure. I just, for the sake of time, I didn't want to go to all of them. But these two kind of get to the point that I'm making here, which is uh, chapter two of Colossians, verse 16 says this. So let no one judge you in food or in drink. We talked about that on Sundays. Or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So what we see here, you guys, is that our rest from the work of pleasing God was done on the cross. There's a difference here. What happened on the Sabbath for the Jews? That's when they went to the temple and they gave their sacrifice and they did the work of their cleansing, right? Forgiveness of sin, repentance. They gave their offerings. They did the little wave offerings and all that stuff, which also, by the way, sort of also provided meat for them for the week and stuff like that and different things that they had for a couple days or whatever. But that was all kind of work towards finding their rest in God as well, was that rest from their toil and labor out in the field to come and spend time with God. But it was sort of still a work because they had to do that work because they didn't have a savior yet. What we see in the New Testament, you guys, is that our rest is found in Christ. So what does that mean? Well, what it means is this. We're not held to a specific day. Now, I know that's challenging to some people, right? Some people are, and I get that. I really do. I mean, it's challenging to me. It was challenging to me whenever I thought about it. I'm like, wait a minute. If Jesus is our rest, then do we really need to take a day of Sabbath to rest? Is that, is that what you're saying, God? And really, I think that is what he's saying. We don't necessarily need a specific day to do that. However, 
what we see in scripture here, he's saying, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. There's a model here that he's following. So it's not like we can just throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, well, just because we're not under that covenant now, we can just work seven straight days and just find our rest in Jesus. No, that's a really dumb way to live your life. It's, and also we have scriptural balance there too that says, do not forsake the fellowshipping of the saints. So there's still value in coming together. The idea I'm getting at here is, is that this commandment to the Israelites was a commandment to break away from your work load and everything that was going on to make sure that you were focusing your heart in on God, on Yahweh. And what I'm getting at is, is that in our new covenant, we have access to God all day long, every day. We find our rest in Christ every day. We don't have to wait on one day. We have it all the time. So I'm not trying to take away or detract. What I'm saying is, is that it's beautiful because it's actually expanded. Does that make sense? Yeah. It doesn't minimize, though, the need to come together. It doesn't minimize that need for our rest, our spiritual well-being rest, you know? So it doesn't mean we should just ignore the day of rest and not keep it sacred. God has created our bodies, you guys, in such a way. I want you to think about this. How many of you guys have never slept in your life? Last night, my watch told me I got five hours of sleep. Do you know I feel today? Not that great. Why? Because our bodies need time to recharge. God designed us that way. We weren't originally designed. Sin kind of screwed all that up, I think. Right? I can't say that for sure. It's debatable. But we went from perfection to flawed, right? We do know that. That's fact. And so somewhere in there, I think sleep is that way of like, man, we need that rest. We need that time. Well, the reality is we need that every day. We need to be recharged. We need to get sleep But the reality is, man, we need to stop the same way, the grind of our lives every week and spend some time with Jesus. Personally, I'd say, I would take it one step further. You have access to Jesus. You have access to God's word, man. Spend time every day (laughs) taking a break from the grind. That's very much, you know, what we should be doing anyway is just spending spending time with him every day on our own and spending that time with the Lord. But listen, there's also something about coming together and fellowshipping as a group. That time of Sabbath where you just take that time intentionally and say, man, I'm just going to get away with my brothers and my sisters in the Lord, even the ones that drive me bonkers. Because God, I know you have something here for me. God, I know you want to grow me. I know that you maybe have an encouraging word for me to give to somebody or maybe even an exhortation, and maybe I need to hear one, right? There's a joy in that. There's a sanctifying work that God does very specifically, I believe, in that time away with him and time away together in Sabbath rest. You guys, we don't just come together, though, just to fulfill Hebrews 10.25, right? Not to just assemble together for fellowship. No, man, we need to be rest and fed. We need to be restful and, and being fed from the Lord. We need to give him praise. We need to dig into his word and grow. We need to set a time, aside a time, you guys, I would say at least once a week. It's what, the, it's what scripture tells us. At least once a week to just be edified. And again, Christians, we don't have to wait for a day. You can do it every day. You can do it multiple times a day. You can chill out and just spend time with the Lord. You can get away and, and, and just spend time with him. But man, do not forsake that time of just being edified, being, being raised up, 
allowing the Holy Spirit to use your life. It's important. It's good. And the last part, you guys, that I want to say is another bit of a challenge here, and that is this. What we see here is this call for a day of rest, but we also see what else? We see a call to labor for six days. Everyone's like, um, I don't like that part. <laughs> you guys were called to be busy. And we need to examine this kind of twofold, right? We, we obviously need to take care of the needs of our family. And the truth is here in America, we can pretty much do that in five days, mostly, right? So it's not like, let's not get bogged down in the legalism of it, but, but I want to encourage you guys in this, is that we're called to be busy to provide the needs of the family, but we're also called, you guys, to be busy all throughout Scripture. What is our call? Go out into the world, tell people about Jesus, and live your life in a way that shines Christ to everybody else. You're called to be doing spiritual work, too. You're called to be busy about that. And so there's value in that stuff. You understand that the only way that you can pour out, the only way that I can stand up here and pour out what the Lord's given me is because I've taken time to be poured into, right? And that's all of us. It's, it's not about the pastor or anybody else. No, every one of us, in whatever context you find yourself in, man, you gotta be getting poured into. That's why that daily time with the Lord is so vital and important. Because if you don't take it, you know, we all know that, man. Those times when it's just like, oh, man, the day the morning got away from me and you just walk out the door, man, what happens that day? That's the day the Holy Spirit's like, oh, let's, let's see what this looks like without me. <laughs> you know, and he's like, I'm going to put people in front of your way and you're going to be like, oh, God, help me. And he's so faithful, he does. Yeah. But you're like, oh, goodness. I need you, Lord. I'm, I'm empty, man. I need more. I need more of you, right? But you guys, we're called to be busy. And I think in the American church specifically, there's a real lack of balance when it comes to this. Americans do a great job, typically, typically, we do a great job of providing for our family. We have good jobs. Sometimes they become idols because we're overworking the crap out of them and we're making a lot of money. But we're like, we're providing for our family. Good for you. That's part of your, your role, right? There's some value there. You're supposed to work. But the reality is, you guys, is sometimes we provide for our family financially to the lack of rest and restoration for family and to the lack of serving God as a family and seeing eternal rewards for our lives. You can have the greatest job in the world and the biggest boat and the biggest house and the nicest cars and all that stuff and your kids could be provided for and go to college for free and all that jazz. And if at the end of their lives, all they've really seen is how you provided for them financially, I can tell you this, you really haven't done, I believe, all that God's called us to do. Because there's a lot more important things than our money. Our money, you guys, is not coming with us. I don't care how much you stack in your coffin with you. The other truth is this, man, as Americans, some of us do a great job loving and spending leisure time with our families, but sometimes it's to the lack of serving God with our families. We got vacations out the wazoo. Our kids are involved in every sport possible. We have everywhere to be because our families spread all across America. And again, I'm not minimizing vacation. I'm not minimizing enjoying your time and enjoying the fruits of your labor. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm talking about those people. And I think we all know what we're talking about where you're like, don't see them for two straight months in church. Why? Because they're on vacation after vacation or they're having to hopscotch all around America. To then, and it's like, again, 
not trying to be legalistic here. What I'm getting at is if it, that is to the detriment of showing their family what it looks like to serve God, that's not good. My family, and this is not me tooting a horn, I'm just saying it's what Grace and I's habit is. When we have to go down and be with my mom or when we choose to go down and be with my mom because she's still alive, and that's awesome. My, my brother a lot of times is the one that's always like, dude, why, do you, why every Wednesday night do you got to go to the church? It's like, because that's what we do. And he's like, well, that's stupid. That's legalistic. I'm like, no, it's not, man. It's, it's family. It's family. I need time with family. You know? Which, of course, he doesn't get because he's like, uh, idiot, I am your family. <laughs> Which I'm like, come along, man. See some people that stick closer to a, than a brother. Hmm, 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 hmm. And honestly, you guys, some people are so good at spending time with their family and and spending that time in leisure and enjoying themselves that sometimes we've seen where that's even to the detriment of providing for your family financially (laughs) at times. Do you understand how out of whack we can get things? So my prayer, you guys, for all of us is this. This is a short message tonight. My prayer for all of us is this, is that we hallow the name of God in our lives, that we hallow it, right? What did Jesus say in his prayer? Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. My prayer, you guys, is that we would ask God to root out any area where we maybe, maybe even on, you know, not knowing that maybe we're like taking the Lord's name in vain. And again, if you're here tonight and God brings something up, the Holy Spirit brings something up in your heart, can I just encourage you, clear to indication that it's the enemy versus the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts. Conviction always leads us to repentance. It's always a, a push towards God. Condemnation is from the enemy, man. It pulls you away from God. Don't listen to that garbage. Listen to the conviction if the Lord's putting it on your heart and repent. Oh, God, I didn't even know I was doing that. Forgive me. Please, God. Thank you for your grace. Help me to not do that anymore. That's it. God's like, got it. Let's move on. (laughs) And as far as Sabbath in our lives, you guys, here's the deal. The only one that can find the balance of what your lives are to look like through the Holy Spirit is you. So I don't want you to hear me tonight speaking out these things that I feel like the Lord laid on my heart and coming down judgmentally or saying, man, if you're, if you're not here the next three weeks, you're a loser. No, no, not the polar opposite, man. Do what God's called you to do. Like enjoy the things that God's given you. That's, I mean that, right? And we have people here too that are even like, they travel intentionally. We have people that are snowbirds, man, and I don't blame them. I kind of wish I could start a church in Florida this winter too. I'm kidding. (laughs) But you get my point? Like, if God's called you to a certain life, do it. Like, do it, and do it with the freedom that the Lord's given you to do that. That is not, hear me, I'm not saying that. I'm asking, and I'm saying, man, are we being sincere and serious about our Sabbath, and how are we living out that Sabbath rest in light of our children? And in light of those around us and our friends and our family, like what does that look like to them? Is Sabbath the last thing on our mind because every other thing takes precedence? Or in the midst of everything God's telling you to do, are you still like, yeah, no, God, you said to do this and I'm going to do it. Regardless if I'm in Florida, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, wherever. 
Do you get my point? And yeah, we're here like those stupid heathens, man. Where the heck are they? I'm just kidding. So when you come back, we're like, man, what the heck? Where you been? We love you, man. What's going on? And you're like, man, we got to do this. And I got to go to this Calvary Chapel church. Or I went to this great church, man. It's awesome. You should have been there. Praise God. Do you get my point? No judgment here. Only you are going to figure it out. But here's the truth. We are never, ever, we can never say that we're too busy to set a time aside, set time aside to rest in God. We can never say that. Do you know why, you guys? God created everything. (laughs) He literally, I mean, if somebody had a busy job, it was him. He literally was like, oh, let me speak some things into existence here. And yet he still took time to rest. Did he have to? No. He's all powerful. He had no need to rest. Why did he rest? I think he did. He rested because he's a good leader in a sense, and he's showing us the model of what he wants from us. Right? And we need it. He didn't need it. And yet he did it anyway. And so guess what, guys? We have no excuse. No excuse. It's like the excuse that you're too busy to pray. I love what uh, Martin Luther said. Did you guys ever hear about that? He said, I'm far too busy every day to not spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. I've modified that to be like, I'm far too busy to not spend at least one hour (laughs) of my day in prayer. I don't know how he dug out three. David Guzik points this out, you guys. And this kind of goes along with everything we've been saying. He says, we should give more leisure time to the work of the Lord. And this is the part that really struck me. He said this, every Christian should have a deliberate way to serve God and advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Whether that's in your workplace, whether that's serving here at the church, whatever that looks like, you should have some deliberate way that you're like, God has told me or given me this you know, strength or this, this courage to just step out and do this thing. That's the work that God has for you. That's six days so that you can come in and rest. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's seek God and trust him, you guys. He's faithful. He's faithful. I can, we can all trust you guys that he's going to work this stuff out in our lives. So I don't want us to ever come to any scripture ever and hear condemnation because that is not of the Lord I also don't want us to ever just walk away and justify our stuff when the Holy Spirit's like, "Mm, I want to talk to you about this. No, we need to have ears to hear and listen. But that's only between you and the Lord. I'm just trying my best to be faithful to speak out the things that God's told me to say. But the truth is, you guys, and this is the coolest thing, we have eternal rest now because we have Jesus, the Holy Spirit residing in us. But I'm just, just, close your eyes for just a minute with me. As much as you can, imagine sitting at the wedding feast of the Lamb in heaven, gnawing on a chicken leg, just chilling out, resting with Jesus. That's what we have ahead of us, you guys. You can open your eyes. That's what we have of waiting. So why not practice now? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Father, that we get the opportunity to really just dig into it, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that, man, you didn't just 
cut off the Old Testament and say, ah, okay, it doesn't apply, keep going and, and, and look at the new. No, Lord, you, you gave us all 66 books. You gave us this whole tome, this whole book, Lord God, to really understand who you are. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that we see in these commandments to us, God, that you desire our good in them. Lord, you desire good for us, God. And we are just, man, we are not energizer bunnies, God. We, are, we, are, we run out of steam so quickly, Lord God. And spiritually, Father, man, we need constant refilling, God. We, are, we leak. We are some leaky, leaky vessels, God. We are clay pots with holes all through us. And so, God, I pray, Father, that tonight as we dig through and have looked at, man, what it looks like to, to know more about your character and to speak and live that out in the way we live, God, would you help us, Father? Would you, Holy Spirit, point out any area in our lives that maybe, maybe, God, we're just not uh, doing the best there, Lord? And if there be anyone here, Lord, even that just struggles with even flippantly saying words that, that the church, the world over kind of looks at as swearing, God, or cursing or saying those things, Father, would you just remove that from our mouth? God, we don't want to be guilt, guilty of doing these things. God, we definitely as Christians don't want to show anyone else around us. So, and Lord, not that we're trying to hide it because we're trying to look all perfect and whatever. No, God, we just don't want it to be part of us, part of our character, God. We want your character to overtake us, Lord God, and change us. And Father, to to, to work in us, Lord, to make a cleaner and clearer image of you, Jesus, in our lives. So God, would you do that work in us? And Lord, I don't know what Sabbath looks like for each one here. I'm thankful for those, Lord, that are here right now tonight. God, that they're just taking that time aside to rest. God, I thank you, Father, that you give us leisure. You give us the ability to just sit and chill out, God. And Father, I don't even know what that looks like. For me, God, you know, I, I love sitting on my lawnmower and just making straight lines out of grass. That is so restful to me. And so God, again, Lord, help us not to get weird and legalistic about this, Father. Help us to just put this before you and walk in your freedom. God, we trust you. We love you. We know, Lord God, that you are faithful to finish the work that you started in us. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. And in Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.